Let's make planning this year's garden a lot easier with the Planter app. This app is packed full of features. It has companion and combative planting, which are indicated by green and red circles. It has a simple drag and drop interface. It has 80 plus plants and thousands of varieties. All the info is needed to grow veggies, including when to start seeds, transplant and harvest, the ability to create custom plants and varieties, a growing guide with in-depth articles to supplement the quick info in the app, not to mention that you can view it and use it both on your PC and on your mobile device, so you can always be planning your garden on the go. This app is used in my garden year-round to plan the upcoming seasons, reference the last year's seasons so I know when to rotate, and it also helps me to learn more about companion planning using the visual cues. When you create your garden, it's going to be based on the dimensions and each block is going to be a square foot. I've had a lot of fun using this app and the Planter app, which is spelled P-L-A-N-T-E-R, is available in your app store on both Google and Apple. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and plan your garden and use the link below to get a discount on the Planter app. To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. All right, Batavia, you've killed it. You've harvested it. You've moved it. Something happened and you got some a blank spot. We're going to plug those holes. No jokes. <laughs> I think that um, a part of my maturity as a gardener um, has come in the fact of pulling plants. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. kicking and screaming. If you even go back two years ago, um, I had a hard time with it. Uh, I still have a hard time with it for volunteers. Um, mm-hmm. But then... The second piece of this is I'm actually a bit more comfortable with leaving blank spots. Um, So that's kind of the backdrop. Um, It's always my intention to, you know, take advantage of the growing season and feel the garden. Um, But I'm in a different place mentally. So do you want to reword the name of this episode? How how do you want to do this? Absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. Um (laughs) No, I, it's it's one of those things. Um, I think I, I come to it from the perspective of I want to get as much out of my garden as I can during the season. You know, um, especially for me, like I can grow year round here, but that leaves me three seasons of the same type of vegetable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's kind of an issue, yeah. wouldn't you say? Yeah, well. I think for the effort that you or I or many of the folks that are listening put in, I think that that's not acceptable because the reality is I spend a lot of time eating the same. Like if I had to choose five or six vegetables, it wouldn't be the end of the world. You know, if I had to choose 10 yeah. vegetables, <laughs> I, I just realized it may yeah. have been the end of the world. 10 vegetables. If I had to choose 10, you know, I could do it and be okay. So. I mean, can you eat squash, tomatoes, cucumbers, green beans, and okra for the whole year? No, because you didn't. You didn't name a single leafy green. I know. So, well, That's then on the other you. hand, could you could you live off of lettuce, kale, collards, um, turnips, and radishes for a year? 
combined with the first list? Yes. No. Just separate. That's the reason why I said Ted. No, I, I, yeah, I, I would have a hard time. I've become accustomed to combinations of things. Um, you know, again, this is obviously we have still access to a whole bunch of things. Um, no, I just wouldn't want to continue to do that. And I, I see the connection and I've watched her garden across a full year, right? Actually across multiple full years. And I definitely get it. It's kind of like the, the moment where I realized at the beginning of the season, all I'm doing is growing green things. Like that's the end result yeah. is for it to be green, you know? Yeah, which makes it easier when it comes to harvest time. But, you know, early in the season, it's not as big of a deal because, you know, you pull stuff out. You got plenty of time. But, you know, now it's like, um, here's your PSA for the day. Like you're growing a determinant tomato and the tomato has already produced. And it looks like crap and you just leave it thinking, I'm going to get some more tomatoes. But you're not going to get any more tomatoes, really. It's just, it's that's all she wrote. She's done. So... We, um, you know, we want to pull those tomatoes, but we want to put something else in the spot. But even that being said, like, let's say our squash bed does really good, but we lose like, I don't know, I have 10 squash in one bed and we lose three of them, you know, and we lose three of them when this episode airs. Like there's still time piggybacking off of the last episode. There's still time to put stuff in the ground. And I think for me this practice has what has made my garden year after year to where it actually does produce. Now it can backfire and it can be a a real struggle and, you know, a morale breaker because you're like, okay, I planted it and then nothing ever happens. Nothing ever happens. And the next thing you know, you're, you're SOL. You just, you don't have anything, you know, to harvest. So um, it's, it's coming at it with a little bit of knowledge and going from last week's episode and into this one, you know, last week we talked about what grows quickly in the summer. But I think now we need to kind of look at what grows quickly and compactly mm. because some spaces you might have very small space to put something in, but it would clearly be big enough to grow. Yeah, it's interesting. I didn't think about the compact nature of it because I think there's so. You know, it seems like that was my surprise for the episode. Yeah, yeah. surprise. Where's the confetti? Um, so <laughs> there's um, there. One of the things about gardening is like it's such a smart hobby, right? You know, so there's so many things that you c- consider when you think about you know the approach you take. Once you come out and plant everything once and, and then basically watch everything grow, like that's a different experience. I don't know that a whole bunch of us do that. You know, there are years where I basically plant it out and then it's like what happens, happens. You know, I don't come in. There's no second or third. There's no what I'm planting for this season versus this season. Um, but, you know, I immediately think when you talk about spacing, I immediately think about what you're going to plop in and, and how it's going to be shaded out. You know, so you have to consider that. You know, um, yeah. if the thing you're going to have is going to be shaded out. I was thinking about how um, I generally like to plant, you know, kind of in a monocrop style. Right. This space has a single thing in it. Right. It's it's not going to be where I end up as a, a gardener. That's not going to be my long term plan. But for right now, it's a lot easier for me to manage it. It's lot crops are not left behind as often. Um, but I can say for sure, if you do more you know, interplanting, filling in blank spaces is a lot easier, I believe, 
So it's harder for me to come in if I have a bed full of tomatoes and say, I'm going to fill a space when I need to pull a tomato plant. It's like, what do you, what do you plant in between this jungle of vines? Right. You know, whereas if I have yeah. things that it's, it's a mixture of things planted, you know, I'm considering what you just said, you know, um, but I have a better chance because the thing I pulled out, maybe it creates a pocket where I can put something in that's similar. You know, um, I'm not going to put another tomato plant in that space generally when we're talking about this year. You know, it's it's funny you bring up monocropping because I'm actively trying to switch to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, that's brought on a lot of thought processes because I, I think you're I think you're right. I think that gardening is a smart hobby. Um, I think there's a time, you know, if you go in the Wayback Machine to about a couple months ago, we're talking about the evolution of a garden. Um, you know, I think that kind of factors into it where at first you're just kind of like willy nilly planting, having fun with it. Mm -hmm. As you get more into it, you really start to crack the code. Mm -hmm. And when you say crack the code, there's, it doesn't matter what you're doing in life. When we crack the code, you're using your intelligence to crack that code. You know, you may stumble across it, but eventually you're going to, you're going to hone that in. And, you know, the monocropping for me this year has been um, has been something that has been a relief because it's like you said, whenever it's done, I can pull it all out and then I can start over. But at the same time, like maybe it is hard to get something amongst the jungle of vines and, you know, you know, your tomatoes or you, you lost one tomato in the middle of three and you want to put something in its place. Mm-hmm. But you've got to work around that and you can't put something in there that's just going to bush out like crazy or it's going to stay like super small. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, these are the things that we have to think about when we start planting all of this stuff. Yeah. It reminds me of how you used to always talk about planting under how many years did it take me to figure out what you meant when you say you plant under a plant. Um, Yeah. I I think think that just to spend a second on monocropping versus not... um, the reason why I say it's not going to be my favorite place right now, it's almost used as a time management mechanism. It's easier for me to manage the garden because I know I'm going to go and deal with tomatoes in one space or peppers yeah. and you know everything over here is peppers, right? You know, I may even have them in multiple places, but all of these things are peppers. Um, I do believe that it makes for a more interesting garden when you have things intermixed, right? Um, for me today, it's just harder for me to remember to go and, and whether it's maintenance, trying to, you know, um, trim something, you know, um, whether it's trying to, because I, immediately I think like, oh, I forgot to harvest this thing because it's all the way over there in the corner, not with the rest of them. But, you know, whether it's pests, you know, so it's it's a give and give, right? You know, so the monocrop approach, you, you know. If some something's going to go to the party, if you're going to have Japanese beetles, and they're attracted to, you know, I don't know, uh, ochre plants, all of your ochres in the same space. Guess what? They're going to have a party, you know. So, anywho, there's some downsides, you know. We have any, we won't talk about, you know, the idea of depleting soil, depending on planting things in one space. Um, I believe the empty bed that you mentioned. So, there is a gift and a curse there. You talked about harvesting your onions last episode, and you're going to have an empty bed. It's a clean slate. So on one hand, that's super yeah. exciting, right? You know, on the other hand, you have a full garden bed now to plant out, you know? Um, so if we focus in on like, 
How can I fill a hole? And if I need to, generally speaking, you know, I want to fill the hole, something that didn't get up to size like I thought it was going to get to or something that I pulled for any number of reasons. I want to put something in its place um, because there's always an opportunity to grow. I was trying to look at it with the caption on as we continue to have the conversation. I'll find the nugget after the episode. There was such a good nugget you shared in one of your recent videos about kind of the purpose of your gardening and the time you spend gardening. Uh, you know, how long you spend gardening throughout the year. Um, and I paused when I was watching the video, I was kind of listening to it. Um, and I paused for a second and kind of looked back like, yeah, unfortunately, I can't remember exactly what you said. <laughs> so maybe not Nobel Peace Prize winning, but, you know, definitely still a rich comment. Um, I, I think, you know, there is going to be a little bit of duplication. I think your small crops for quick wins. I think anything that you're at the point of the season where you can grow for leaves sake that you can grow and enjoy it in, you know, in its immature state. I think those are wins for filling in blanks, you know? Um, yeah. Especially when you get later in the yeah, season. Yeah. I think anything that's going to get some real height to it, probably not, you know, um, I like if you're filling in plant uh, blanks later in the season, what we just said. But if it's earlier in the season, you look and say, okay, all right, you know, I got some space here. I like things that are going to get really tall, right? You know, because they are going to basically kind of be a skyscraper and then you still have that space that you don't have to worry about those other crops being interfered with. You know, um, I think things like okra that we talked about, I think things like sunflowers are good examples. Um, yeah, of something that can fill a space, but it's going to get higher. I think things that are going to grow on a trellis is a great example. Uh, you got a small space to fill, you know, again, if you have enough time in the season, go ahead and plant that thing. Well, I think the question becomes when you do have this gap in your garden. And I mean, look, even if let's just, let's say it, what it is like, you know, you monocrop and I'm now a majority monocropping even if that garden bed's empty, that's still a hole in your garden. Mm-hmm. You know, I often refer to um, each garden bed as a garden because I treat each one of them differently. So, you know, in my garden, I have nine gardens. <clears throat> and I mean, I guess that's kind of confusing, but in my mind, it makes total sense. I think it's the cutest but, thing ever. Is it? It's adorable. Why? I don't know. It's just something that's like... <laughs> My nine gardens, you know. Yeah, it it's, sounds ridiculous. Like but when, I mean, I do treat each. It's like when kids say monies when they're real young, you know, they make it plural. Yeah. It kind of makes me, it's again, there's some nostalgia around it. There, it's the first cute thing I've ever done. Mm. So, I mean, but I, I do treat each one differently. So within my garden, if one of my gardens is empty, then I now have a gap to fill. And the question becomes... Do I fill it for summer mm. or do I fill it for fall into winter? I think that's the important question that we have to start asking ourselves because you're exactly right when you said like a leafy green is a great thing to put in. But I mean, sometimes it's too hot, you know, and those plants aren't going to do good. So we need to take those that opportunity and maybe quick sow another plant. You know what I mean? take one of your starts from outside and put it in. So I think there's a lot of different options there. And I didn't want this 
episode when we, we had talked about it to be just like a repeat of the last one. Because, I mean, look, a quick-growing plant, obviously, you can put any a number one of the quick-growing plants that we've said in the last episode in and probably get a harvest. Um, there is one standout in that whole list that we gave that um, I can mention, and that's definitely the bush bean. Yeah, hands down. I mean, <clears throat> hands down, it takes less than a square foot, grows like eight inches tall, it doesn't do anything crazy. I don't know how they got that variety to do what it's supposed to do, but I've never even had one like remotely try and trellis. Mm-hmm. I've had them fall over because they've had so much on them, but I've never really had anything like that. So I think for like a summer crop moving forward, you know, if you wanted to put another summer crop in, I think hands down that's the best one. But then you got to factor fall into it. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's where we can start using the benefits of what's left in our garden around that hole to kind of use that to our advantage. Mm-hmm. But do we just slap anything in there? I think I think this is I have some non-traditional responses for filling gaps that I, I want to since you're all Perfect. full of surprises. I love that. Um you know, so <laughs> I love the concept of do I need to just repeat something I'm already growing, you know, which generally you look at it and say, well, you're probably growing stuff in the summer. Do I just need to grow more of that to fill in this blank? You don't have to, you know, do I look ahead? You know, am I getting so somewhat would say like a jump start on, um, you know, the the fall season? I love that. Um, I think that I I sit on both sides of it. Things that stay in the garden the full season, I enjoy because it's kind of like you don't have to do a whole lot with it. But then things yeah. that, you know, kind of say they're done and you can pull them out. It gives you this opportunity we're talking about. Um, so you don't have to plant a summer variety if you're in the summer and now you have a hole in your garden. You know, you don't have to plant. No, you don't. You know, you can definitely plant something for um, for spring, I'm thinking about, you know, I, excuse me, for fall, I'm thinking about that's as far as you really go, you know, so there's not a lot you can do in summer that it's going to, you know, set you up for the next spring. I do think that maybe consider, depending on the space, if this is a time to put something that's perennial in, um, you know, so that's an option. Um, the spacing of your garden really matters, you know, I don't, personally like to put perennials just in the middle of my garden space because I feel like it ties my hands later which reminds me I have a strawberry plant in a bucket that I dug up today but guess what I just did strawberry plant it's a great way to feel the single plant to fill a hole look at that yeah well that that'll quickly take over that whole bed (laughs) that's the issue I have with that no you just gotta pay attention um, to the runners well let me let me ask you this let me ask you this. You take it, your tomato dies, right? Whatever. It's done producing. You pull it, and then you get to the point where it's like, all right, you've pulled it. Let's say you've worked the soil around it. You've let it sit for a week or two, whatever, and you go to replant it. It's July. Can you put a cabbage in there without it bolting? And get that head in the fall? Depends on who you are and where your garden is. Well, it really only depends on where your garden is. Um, Well, in July in general, in general, it's pretty warm all over the U.S. So that being said, like, you know, is that a possibility? I I don't know that I have evidence that where I've done it, but I'm I'm thinking that it is. 
I can look back. I have some notes on a trusted gardener that's in a similar zone as I am. And we have generally similar weather. You know, again, zone doesn't mean the same weather all season. Um, and I'm right. almost certain that she starts putting in some of her fall crops as transplants in July. Right. The reason why I pay close attention is I'm still trying to work on that formula. And I've also planted a cabbage plant more like September and it's far too late. So what is the sweet spot, right. you know, for me? Yes. So, and then we got to start thinking about, okay, yeah, let's say you're going to put a cabbage, because the reason why I pick cabbage plants, because it's generally speaking a smaller plant until it really keeps going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you go and you say, okay, we're going to put it in, but cabbage is a biennial, right? Mm-hmm. So it has to go hot, cold, hot, cold. In order to seed, right? Two years. No. Has hot, to go through cold. two seasons. Then year two. Hot. It's it it yeah. bolts. Mm-hmm. So that's a biennial. So with all that being said, I feel and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna test this oh, out this year. Go. Yeah. I'm gonna put my cabbage in in July. More door <laughs> no cabbage coming your way. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, act- <laughs> <laughs> no actually as a matter of fact i'm not planting that variety anymore <laughs> i got uh i just ordered some seeds that were, were supposed to produce six to eight pound heads of cabbage because <laughs> i told myself i said look batavia's been giving me a hard time about my doorknob cabbage so look we're going on from Listen, that like it, we're going all this out is what's wrong with the world he shouldn't care. I haven't harvested a head of cabbage since August of 2022. <laughs> Who am I to tell anyone about it? <laughs> Look, I want a big head of cabbage too. He's but my, harvested like clearly 14 ounces of cabbage across the spring. <laughs> <laughs> Total. No, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's not true. That's not true. Not true Each one of so them was funny. about a pound. Okay. <laughs> hey, look, they were good though when we boiled them. That's yeah, all I got. Because none of it matters once they go in a pot, right? You know. No, it don't matter. Hashtag it size doesn't sure matter don't. with cabbage. Nope. But I want to. I want to test it out. You know, I want to see mm-hmm. if it makes a difference because I was looking at my um, my extension service, and they say plant them in July, mm-hmm. transplant in July. So. Why would you think Let's that you could be, have happens. success transplanting um, Brussels sprouts in July and not cabbage? Because I'm not smart like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Is that a fair answer? Yeah, yeah. Or you just didn't make the connection that just in the, until that moment. Yeah, I get it. It happens. Yeah. I mean, you instantly made me feel mm. stupid when That's you said that. That's never my intention. I don't want this to be like a bullying episode. I mean, I was laughing at you hysterically a moment ago. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. It's okay. I don't have to know everything. Here, here. Because, I mean, I don't. For me, too. For me, you know, too. I, yeah. Like, I, I look at it and I've tried for years to kind of this whole transitioning over. And I mean, look, I know it's June, everybody. And we're talking about this transitioning over. But maybe it's something that we need to think about ahead of time and really start to prepare for, especially as these gaps show up. And my argument is saying, you know, with a good garden plan and you've, you know, 
that at some point, like, hey, I've got this tomato bed. I'm going to lose a tomato at some point, probably. What's the next thing to go into its spot for the fall mm-hmm. and then possibly plant mm-hmm. that out? Right. Like my son's potato bed, like when it's done, if it's not too hot, like we're going to try and put some carrots in. So we should about the time this episode airs, we should be pulling our potatoes. So that would let's just I don't know. Do you know when this airs? I think it's the first week of June. Okay, so the first or second week week of of June, June, we may second. So we'll say June 15th. So if we turn around, we do that, we work the soil, we plant the carrots, let's just say the same day, just to make it easy, June 15th, that's July 15th, August 15th, September 15th will be 90 days, and that's when we should be harvesting our carrots around September. So, you know what I mean? Like, there's a good possibility. Now we haven't even factored in germination, which I will tell you last year when it was like 80 degrees, my carrots germinated in like two days. Mm. So, I don't know... I don't know what happened there, but yeah, the, um, the uh, root crops. So things that you direct sowing like that, that really like cool weather. That may be the, I say, give it a whirl. I've had such poor success trying to sow uh, carrots period. Um, although I have had some success, but like that timing of carrots, like if, unless you're putting it on the calendar every week, like that's the only way. And then writing down where you're sowing every week. Um, that's the only way I feel like I'm going to be able to figure it out. Um, yeah, I was looking back and, and, you know, you, gosh, the stubborn part of me, it's like, let me enjoy summer. Stop talking to me about what's going to happen, you know, around pumpkin time. And I was trying to look it back. As you all know, I am. Um, my phone is a diary, garden diary of sorts. The best fall garden that I had was... Um, the year that I believe I started seeds indoors in June, you know, and yeah. it was the timing was right. This is a rare thing for me. I wish I was this good, you know, all the time. And I transplanted them. I remember it was like September 10th or 11th and they were just, they were small seedlings, right? You know, so maybe I started them in July indoors, transplanted them in September. And then I realized I probably should have started them in June. So I'm not fudging these dates just to make you right here because um, I have no guilt about laughing at you a few moments ago. No, um, I don't but mind. Again, it's the it's that it's on one hand, I love it. But on the other hand, it is daunting, like the always thinking about this, always planning for this. And probably most importantly, you know, getting to the point where if this is your interest at this level, scheduling it, you know, that's the thing I continue to suffer for not committing enough to schedule these things. But you could turn that around yeah, today. And, <clears throat> um, I was going to say gardening is like if you're listening to this show and you're not expecting us to talk about fall already, then I think you've kind of missed the mark about gardening because you, this is something that we always have to be planning ahead for, like always have to be planning ahead for. You know, you've got to if the season's going to change and you want to continue on, then you need to be thinking months in advance because, you know, they always say like count back six days or six weeks from your last frost date. That's when you start your seeds. That's bull crap. That's the most, that's the biggest set of bull I've ever heard in my life. You need to count back like 12 mm-hmm, weeks mm-hmm. because you want six weeks. Like let's say for instance, this cabbage, it'll be six weeks before I put it out in the garden 
And then if we're already getting frost, you're already struggling to get through it. So you need to get ahead of it. And that's where when we fill in these gaps, like, like I know that if I get a gap in June, I cannot go out and put lettuce in its mm-hmm. spot. It will instantly bolt. I've seen it happen where it'll get its true leaves. It'll get a couple more leaves and then it'll just start stretching. Yeah, wow. And it's never, you never have time for anything. Now, maybe if you want to save seeds, that's the way to do it. Go ahead and get it in there, bolt it. I don't know if that would work well or not because that plant didn't have a good life yep. cycle, but you never know. But I know that that's not going to work for me. You know, I learned, I learned this year that broccoli bolts due to amount of daylight. Hmm. Yeah, I learned that. Okay. I have been operating all of these years based off of the amount of temperature, the amount of heat and then I learned that the amount of daylight sets them off as well. So that being said, I know that I cannot put my broccoli in the ground to fill a spot, right? Because I'm, I don't know the daylight thing. Look it up. I'm sorry. I don't remember it. But I remember it clicking in my head when I read it. I'll try and find it and post it to uh, our Patreon but um, or in the Facebook group, either one. But um, that was a big kicker for me because I was like, oh, So no matter what, I'm fighting an uphill battle every single year planting broccoli. What an idiot. You know what I mean? So (laughs) like, it's just this simple thing that I just, I didn't know about. You know, it's, um, we did, there's a version of it this episode, like kind of, you know, sensitive plants, right? And it's, you know, how many asterisks does broccoli have around it? Um, I was pulling up what my extension service recommends as it relates to planting broccoli generally in Illinois, because this is actually for central Illinois, Um, but it's uh, April 10th through May 1st and July 1st through July 15th. It's hard for me. I'm going to say that these are transplants in both cases. And it's interesting that you say this around daylight, you know, how many hours of light, because that clearly makes sense. So me putting in a plant on June 15th, I'm thinking it's so hot by that time, you know, it doesn't stand the shot, but we are in like the, again, June 15th is we're approaching the longest day light hours. Right. Um, I, I think that there's certain things that I wouldn't try just based on my previous experience, but I appreciate you calling it out. I not put a, to fill a hole, a, blo- a broccoli plant, anything that's going to like create a head. I generally am like, Oh wait, hold on. You know, like what do I have the right conditions? Um, which I go back to last week's episode around like fill a hole, find a leafy green, um, chart could be a good example of that chart grows slower for me in the summer as a note, but it does grow. Um, so that can be a, a place filler. I know that they're advertising and I've had at least one season of success with like June, July harvesting of lettuce. I've not been able to repeat it. I've tried. Um, so I do agree with you with, you know, lettuce seems like such an easy thing to start for me. Such an easy thing to grow. You know, why not plug it in? I absolutely do that in the spring. Like it's a plug, plug in play kind of crop, um, but not in, in June, not in July. Yeah. I was trying to find the um, the amount of sunlight that it was. Oh, I'm going to look it up myself offline. It's not telling. It's 
well, you can look it up offline, but you've got to kind of dig for it because everybody goes to the standard like 65 to 75 degrees and it starts. And then there's this always this thing as the daylight lengthens, it stresses the plant. Mm-hmm. And so as you if you dig and you'll probably have to find it off like a scientific paper and it'll show you. I can't remember. I remember whatever I was reading. It was like wordy. As I know hell. how the Internet works. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm good. Let me read the intro and the conclusion. <laughs> so your your normal groups did not say yeah, that. Your but, technical group. Um, and I did. Yeah, your technical group. And look. I'm going to defend myself real quick about my cabbage. I want to put myself on the spot. Capture cabbage is what I'm growing. Three to six pounds of heads. heads. So, there we go. Let me tell you this. Tell me. I would have given up a lot to have had those doorknob size cabbage over the course of this winter. Now, I'm going to still make fun of you. Cause it's, I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's, it's almost becoming classic, it's awesome. right? Um, yeah. But if I, we would have been together, like you'd have been putting the pictures together of us with our doorknob size cabbage, if it was possible in my area. Um, and you better believe it. I'm gonna be. I have cabbage all over my garden this for this spring going into summer. And you better believe once that head forms, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna start plucking them out. You know. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be you know, like, you know how you, you track your kid's age? Like, this is what they look like when yeah. they're one and two. Like, it's going to be that. I'm going to take pictures and then put together a collage. There was a video that I had done out there, and um, I was hoping that you watched it, where I was like, look, the variety matters. And it was the two cabbages. Oh. No, the cabbage. So it was like, I had some cabbage that I had bought last year when I was sick, because I didn't have anything. I was like, I just got to get something in the ground, you know? And so I got it. And then when I was out there over the spring, I was harvesting it and I stuck my hand on the leaves and I was like, look how big the leaf is on this and look how big it is on this. And it was like totally Mm -hmm. different. And the head was two to three times bigger. And they were right next to each other. And and see, and that's another one. I mean, I've been gardening for a a number of years, more than I like to admit. And to see them side Mm -hmm. by side like that really showed me the difference on like, this is what variety is. This isn't just about looks. This is, there's a whole lot more to variety than that. I mean, like this capture cabbage has got some resistance to different diseases and stuff. And it has the, uh, this is where we were talking last episode about the germination mm-hmm. guide. So um, peak germination is around 88 degrees and then it quickly drops off. So that's why I was like, if I can get it before it's like 88 outside and I can get it to germinate, I should be able to do it outside. That's wild that it wants but, um, 88 degrees to germinate. However, it's it wants to it grow is. in the cool weather. Well, it will grow. It will germinate in cool. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but that's, that's the, the peak optimal number. Okay. The mm-hmm. optimal number. So, I mean, it can go down to like 57, it looks like, which I'm sure you could even get cooler than that. But, um, but you know, that's something that I can use to my advantage. So as I look at my garden, I look at my plan, you know, I've got a bed of corn, which I've had a hell of a time with corn so far mm-hmm. this year. Um, once that corn comes out, that could be a great bed. I don't know what I have in my plan. I have to look on the planter app for that, but I could have like a whole bed of cabbage ready to go. You know what I mean? And the thing about that is it's done at that point. Like it's finished. Yeah. And then I just harvest it when it's time. But I also know from my years of planting it later that I can come back afterwards and stick another cabbage in the ground and harvest it in the spring. Mm. 
if it's early enough. So I know I can do that yeah, as well. Yeah, that's your story and not mine. Um, right. I, that's where our climates are totally absolutely. different for that. I think a couple of notes here. Um, so again, I'm with you arm in arm when it comes to think about those spaces for fall. Right. You know, and I want to add a couple of notes around. This could be an opportunity for you to add something fun. You know, I mean, a flower, maybe Um, it could be something that you, you know, wanted to grow, but maybe didn't get a chance to get around to, you know, whether this is direct sowing or picking up a transplant or having the kind of wherewithal to have started it, you know, from seed in sales beforehand. Um, My favorite way to look at this, you know, as an opportunity to like grow something that you absolutely plan on eating fresh. So a lot of, and we haven't talked about it in a couple of episodes, a lot of what Ben and I have have come to do is we're growing a lot of these things for the purpose of preserving them for later. Um, And so I was thinking about this, I was driving yesterday or the day before, I was thinking about this and how, you know, I generally pour myself into, right? So I am still like right on the edge of like all energy and effort is going to the goal of preserving, like learn as much as I can, do as much as I can, learn as much as I can, you know. And so I have over the last couple of years, I think I've missed a bit of the fresh eating, you know. And so, I mean, clearly I'm still eating. Let's just not be confused here, you know. But um, this is an opportunity to feel something that may be, again, a shorter turn, right, a quicker crop, um, something that you would normally grow, you know, maybe doesn't make it into your garden plan. There are any number of things you can do with that open space, even if it is a full bed versus, you know, a row of something, you know, or a couple of square feet. Yeah. Like I had a row in my back bed. I've got carrots. I got two rows of carrots. I got a blank row and then I got husk tomatoes right next to it. And I went out there yesterday actually, cause we're getting rain today and I planted my bush lima beans, mm-hmm. put a row in. And so when the carrots come up, I need to make a decision because I made this whole monocropping decision kind of, it's like been in, it's like another evolution in my garden. It's just kind of coming slowly, but surely. And so it's like, I may put in another row or two of those in there just to kind of get them going. So, um, it's just kind of one of those things where, you, you know, as you do it, you can plan for it, but you're, I think you're exactly right. And I think, the right way to do it in my mind doesn't make it right is you go ahead and you do your canning early in the, or in the year when you feel like you've got enough then you, and especially when you need to fill gaps mm-hmm. you start putting stuff in and say i'm gonna eat this mm-hmm. fresh because i can guarantee you come february you're gonna be like damn i wish i had eaten more fresh yeah. enter whatever vegetable you know i wish i had another mm-hmm. fresh tomato I wish I had another fresh squash or something, you know. Yeah, green beans. Uh, winter squash. I prefer to eat, like, give me a hot skillet, you know. Let me just put some heat on them, you know. Think more of stir fry like. Gosh, there, I mean, there's, there's some things that are as good, but that's pretty good for me. And because I do also want to eat green beans over the winter, I enjoy canned green beans. And part of it's because, you know, I was trained coming up, you know, like, you know, this is how we yeah, serve. I green never beans. ate a fresh green bean when I was a kid. I don't know if kid. I ever had a green bean that wasn't from a can, you know, growing up. Yeah. Um, but I, again, I enjoy them, but I, 
I enjoy eating them and not raw, but I enjoy eating them fresh much more. But, you know, you're trying to get to the point, especially when I, you know, for some of these things I'm growing in a smaller space. I don't have like, you know, a 10 foot row of green beans planted, you know, and only because I want to do so many other things, I don't dedicate that space. And so I'm like, let me gather enough beans to put into this pressure canner you know and so and so sometimes there's a forfeit and some of it is just the consciousness of the gardener like how many beans do i really need to to have to enjoy fresh you know like all right this is one less can that i'm gonna can maybe um so but i haven't i haven't gotten to that state yet you know so this is a part of the whole i'm going all in on preserving and i'm loving it it's a lot of work you know but the reward is awesome um but i also you know i'm gonna put some a couple of bush bean seeds in to fill that space, fill that hole. And maybe mentally I'm making a note to say, whatever comes off of this plant, I'm eating fresh. That that was the next thing out of my mouth is can what's on the vine, eat fresh what's mm-hmm. on the bush. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds of options for that. And it's, it's one of the, like, have you, have you seen the... <laughs> Have you seen the bush cucumbers? Yeah, but I don't believe them. I don't I've either. I don't. I don't believe I don't it's true. Believe them. Oh, you, did it come up no, as a bush? No, it's nothing like a bush bean. Yeah. Um, so it, it's not yeah. as large as like in, they're not called pole cucumbers, but your traditional cucumbers that are absolutely vining everywhere. They're not that big, but they're definitely not as compact as what I'd expect from a bush bean plant. Um, so they're st- all in all, they still needed some support. Let me say it that way. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I don't know. Whatever they did to make bush beans the way they are, they just, they really mastered it. Um, but, you know, it, it's, I wonder if like radishes would do. They're not biennial though. I think they're totally temperature yeah, driven. Yeah, and it'll be too. I've never, unless you like super spicy, it either they're not producing the radish bottom or they're so spicy, they're just not desirable for me. And, I, and it's only, be- yeah, you know only because the- I stumbled in, didn't realize that, I mean, the back of the package told me not to, but I said the hell with the back of the package and I put them in in July and I found out, yeah. you know, well, there's that. You, you know what's really good to put in um, a gap, especially if you're like planning ahead and you're like, all right, I'm going to put this here and then I'm going to expand through would be parsnips. Because like in my area, the first year I grew parsnips, I planted them in July mm-hmm. and I had to, I mean, I had to water them daily. Don't yeah, get me yeah. wrong. Let's not trip. I had to water a lot, but I had some good parsnips. So that might be something that will be really good is to plant some parsnips amongst, you know, these things. And, you know, if you, if you got a tomato that died early, go ahead and get them in. Once they germinate and your next determinate tomato goes, put that in you know, or your squash vine borer or whatever, and you can kind of work your way down and stagger your harvest all the way mm-hmm. through. So that may be something that I think that works really good because in my area, like I said, I did plant those and um, last year I planted them, but I was planting some old seed I should not have. And I even did my method in the last show where I was like, I put like five or six in there and not a <laughs> single one of them grew. I, um, I had two years ago turnips, not turnips, um, rutabaga and parsnips. And they were so beautiful. They did so well. It was so tasty. Um, and I felt like, cause they were long, they're hundred day crops all day, you know? And so when yeah. I felt like I've missed my window, I forfeited growing them all together, which is the thing that I've, I've had to come to terms with when it comes to some things, um, real quick. And it's such a cool, um, little sheet here that I have. My extension service tells me that I should be able to, and I'm going to assume based on the type of vegetable, it means so. Uh, my carrots are April 10th through July 15th. 
And so whenever there I said before about like, you know, carrots have failed, I'm, maybe I am making all of this up. I feel now maybe that was August that I was trying it. I can actually picture myself um, sewing them and, and then coming back and saying, what's the deal here? Um, I also didn't know about the tricks when it comes to sowing seeds for carrots. Um, but again, soil completely got dry. Um, there is, depending on if you're in northern or southern Illinois, those dates shift by a couple of weeks. Um, but it reminds me, I have one row of carrots I'm waiting to come up now. And I've been thinking like, oh, I had plans on planting another row and life happened, you know, last week. But I'm like, hey, my extension service says I can get out there right now and plant. Takes Again, take to your point yeah. some care, making sure that, you know, they're staying damp until they come up. But um, but yeah. I have a new segment of this looking, show as well. What show? This show. Oh, what segment is that? Garden Dreams. No, oh, not in the future Lord state. Actual dreams I had about the garden. Um, so the quick and short of it is, and carrots reminded me, I had a dream that I sowed carrot seeds today and then I went out like tomorrow and the carrots not only were germinating, but they had formed a carrot and I was like literally pulling like they were pencil sized carrots, but they were so sweet, like the sweetest thing you've ever had. I was eating them straight out of the dirt and it was the most beautiful thing ever. And then when I woke up and remembered the dream the next day, I was like, oh, that's so disappointing. Like, that's not how carrots yeah. work. <laughs> so I'm looking at my extension service. Um, carrots, because, you know, my son's going to plant them. This is why I'm trying to be very careful with his garden, but I, I really want him to be successful. Um, it says carrots. You stop planting them at the end of March and you can start again around the 1st of July. So um, it looks like we should be good yeah, to go yeah. around the 1st mm -hmm. of July. And then like parsnips is another one of those too is the same thing. Um, actually, it says start them in August. So and you can continue seeding them for the next couple months. But, you know, those are all different options. And it's it's weird for me because typically I've always really leaned heavily on bush beans for this. Mm -hmm. Really heavily. Like I got a gap. I fill it. But now I start looking in here and I'm like, okay. Okay, I got you going on. Like, I see what's going, and I start looking at the um, the fall crops, and I see, like, okay, I can transplant these on these days, seed them on these days, stuff like that. So, um, it's, it's it's interesting to see and think about it that way because what we what I'm talking about now is essentially like if I put a cabbage in here, it says I can start putting cabbage in at the end of July. And so, what is it? It says here, if you transplant them 70 days, so that's two months. So, if I put it in on the end of July, or it's July 14th, then I can have, in September, I can be harvesting cabbage, but then I also have the last two weeks of September to plant more cabbage. Mm -hmm. So, I can really extend that all the way through. Now, I know from my experience that those cabbages are going to sit in the garden, not do a damn thing. All the way until about February, then they'll start growing again. But they'll already be there, and they'll be more established. So I know moving forward, you know, and it's like with these Brussels sprouts, same thing. I can plant them in the beginning, middle of July is really the best time. So now that's a one-time thing. You don't get more than yeah. that. You know, you got to plant it once, and that's it. But I think thinking outside the box is really going to help. Yes, Batavia. Yes. Um, you raised your hand. Question from the tender lady from Illinois. Uh, <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> so uh, it's, 
one of the many things I enjoy about what we do here is it reinforces some of the things that you've thought about, you know, some random moment when you were eating pancakes or a moment you were, you know, checking out your cool earthworms or um, is it's really important to make the adjustment that you need to make in the garden. And yeah. so um, I'm continue to refer to this sheet. Um, and if you're in Illinois, I believe if you search on when should I plant Illinois extension, just put that in your, your search bar, it'll come up and it was um, published February, 2020. It's funny because I was just scanning it and like, you know, I told you carrots, April 10th through July 15th cabbage. It has April 10th, July 15th. And so what I'm drawn to in this moment is what, what are the things that I'm running out of time for? Right. You know? Yeah. But what if I flip that and said, all right, let's look at the things that basically have a may start for planting through, you know, July. So, you know, this, um, Anything in April will be considered something for, you know, spring. Broccoli started it in April 10th. Last day they're saying is May 1st, then pick it up back again July 1st. Let's not focus on what I didn't get in the ground for broccoli. Like that's done, right? I got another window coming up July 1st. You know, again, maybe not the best example because I know we we flip-flop on how much we love and hate broccoli. You know, but look at the flip of it. Back to your opening comment, like, you know, early on in the episode, Maybe you're less focused on the thing that you're just about to miss out on. And maybe instead you should be focused on the thing that really is waiting for you. And and it's going to be it's prime time. If you know, if you know what I mean, Um, there's no way I should be putting spinach in my garden right now. Period. Stop it. Stop it. But guess what? When August comes around, there's a new opportunity. Oh, Um, I learned that spinach is affected by the amount of daylight. Here he goes. This, I'm, I'm serious. This is officially, I mean, I don't, I don't doubt you, but this is officially a thing now. Yeah, it is a thing. It's becoming a thing. So you're exactly right. And I think, I mean, let's take two minutes and unpack that real quick. So you've got your plant, you got a hole, and you're like, what can I get in there right now? Okay, let me go ahead and put the seed in right now and water it. And is it going to grow? Is it going to grow? Is it going to grow? Or... We look at it and say, hey, we've got, and you know, it's June 15th and in my area, for instance, like I'm trying to look for something. I don't want to say any woo woo. So I'm going to say, all right, I'm going to plant my parsnips. I've got time to let that spot rest, feed it, water it, cover it, weed it, get it taken care of and then in a month I can come back and put my seeds in and there is no damn rush and you're going to come up with the best damn parsnips you ever had so I think I mean I, I do think that maybe and it's 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 weird because it's like the nature of the garden where everybody thinks about the tomato the squash the cucumber you know that's that's in everybody's garden for the most part I'm sure somebody's going to send out a comment like I don't plant squash but you know what I mean like that's like the main stars of it but when we start thinking outside the box i think that there is a definite argument to say and it's sad that it took us 50 minutes to get here that hey maybe we should wait and look into the next season and see because look 
if you don't plan to have a fall garden, that's a perfect way to get into it because you're mm-hmm. starting it in the middle of the season. You're taking care of it. So I think that's um that's the way to look at it. Um, one last, and this isn't as profound as what you just shared, and thank you for that. I forgot about the other non, you know, maybe uncommon thing. Um, I've used spaces that don't have something growing as a space where I could prop up some seedlings, meaning like you actually have seed starts sitting on like a milk crate or something, right? You know, you yeah. need to pay close attention to, you know, you don't want leggy seedlings, right? So let's make sure they're not reaching for light, but they're outside if you're hand watering or if you have some, you know, planned sprinkler, you know, you may have an opportunity to still get them water. They're clearly already at a point where you can start them and they are acclimated to the weather. You know, again, it's not carte blanche. Everything doesn't work really, really well in this way. Um, but it's an opportunity for you to put your eyes on your seedlings if you're doing your garden walk every day. Right. You know, so yep. um maybe save a little bit of electricity. Um, so that's that was one thing I was thinking about when we were talking earlier as a way to take that space is still being used. And who knows, you may drop that ceiling right in that space, you know, once it's actually grown. Um, you don't have to fight with the roly polies generally, you know, if you have it sitting on something. Um, so there's some ways that you can, you know, kind of use the openness of that garden to your benefit. I mean, we've talked about a dozen of them. Yeah, and I think to... Um I'm going to say this out loud and I might regret it, but maybe, just maybe, this is a way where heat tolerant varieties could actually shine. When you're starting them in the heat, but as they grow, the heat gets less and less and less. So they may be able to tolerate the heat younger than when, if you flip it, when you're trying to get the heat tolerance to kick in as it matures. So it may be flipped on that. So I'm going to go on the record and say maybe we've been wrong. I don't no, know. You got to speak for yourself there. Garden test. Garden test. Everybody. I feel it. Y'all feel it. Experiments are occurring. Um, but seriously, and I mean, you can take that time to, to really look at different varieties and get yourself some seeds that will fit the description and I really do suggest that we look more into varieties based on size mm-hmm. of the plant, not the produce. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I've often thought that a cherry tomato is a ridiculous plant. I've just, I've really thought that for a long time. Like I got this giant plant with these itty bitty tomatoes on it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So um, I'm really hoping that this year my geranium kiss dwarf tomatoes will be an itty bitty plant with a giant tomato on it. That would be awesome. I'm rooting for you. I am too. So, um, did we did we solve the problem? Do you think? I think we came to a conclusion. I think it's impossible to solve any garden problem in a single episode. That's the reason why we ask people to, to tune in next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, yeah. we're, we're, well, you know, if you guys take, take it away, Eddie. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll figure it out. But I mean, you guys look at your extension service and maybe think about the next season when you get that inevitable hole. I mean, it's going to happen. So um, I'm looking at mine, and I, I do want to say this: I've gotten the question a lot, just as you have, is like. How do you plant your garden? How do you get it to do X, Y, and Z? And I mean, honestly, my answer to that is I think about it and I look at it every single day. 
every day I'm thinking about at some point, what's the next thing going in? Oh, this plant's sick. What's going on in this place? What can I do different? So it's like a constant thought process on my part. I don't, it doesn't take up my whole day. I might be eating pancakes and think about it. I may be out scratching my butt in the garden and think about it. Who knows? But it all kind of, I think about it a lot. And I think that's what leads to growth in the garden as a gardener. So, um, yeah. So fill those gaps and um, think about the next season. And in the meantime, come support us on Patreon. We'd love to have you. Um, Apple subscriptions and join our Facebook group, BYG Community Gardens. I got that. I got it right. So I got it, everybody. No, you actually and, don't, uh, remember, but I didn't want to correct you last uh, time either. Look, well, we got to say it right. So what is it? It's Backyard Backyard Gardens Community Garden. Four words. Backyard Gardens Community Garden. Look, I didn't get it right. Sorry, And everybody. I'm just really quick and pull, pulling it up in my phone. So let's just be real here. <laughs> <laughs> my phone's dead. So, um, but look, I think that we have and we will continue to learn to grow and grow for change. See ya. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up. You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description. With your support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya. If you guys want some Backyard Gardens gear, go to the link below and check out our t-shirts, mugs, pint glasses, and other gear. All purchases go towards helping to support the show, so thank you so much in advance, and we hope you enjoy. We want everybody to have a garden, and we're going to give you a chance to win free seeds every month. Head over to BackyardGardensTV.com and enter your email address to be entered in all of our giveaways. Good luck! We want you to be a part of our gardening community. DM us a picture of your garden at Backyard Gardens TV on Instagram, and we will share it with our listeners.